place it comfortably. So, good morning, everyone. Day two, everyone's settling in nicely. Title of this talk today Temperament and Transformation. Uh, if we go back to old Buddhist words, the word dukkha, which you will know, which is usually translated as suffering, but probably more accurately as something more like dissatisfaction. And it describes a sense of unease um, that humans experience in the world. And as you know, it becomes uh, the basis or the, the driver um, that leads us to seek out a practice like this to try and deal with it in some way. Like we just, do we just have to accept unease? and you know dissatisfaction or can we transform it in some way that's our that's our challenge um, these old words have uh, equivalents in modern language and modern modern psychology so the word dukkha kind of generally speaking translates into in modern day terms as anxiety and depression, or anxiety, prefer low mood rather than depression. Um, anxiety, low mood, and throw in a bit of irritability as well. <laughs> and that's dukkha. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that would be the most, in all its various forms, that would be the, one of the most common reasons people come to see people like me, or counsellors, or psychologists. That's, that's the main reason. And then it may be looking at the way it, it sort of plays itself out in relationships and so on, or at work. Um, but that, that's at the core of it. Dukkha is still at the core of everything. Depends which word you use for it. But sometimes by using the modern terminology, um, we, we get a, a, better, a better fix on how we can identify that in ourselves. Um, and it takes on many different forms that sometimes people don't recognise in themselves. So like, for example, anxiety, we usually think of someone who's anxious, who's moving around, you know, panicking, agitated and so on, and that's one form it can take. But anxiety can also take the form of rigidity. So you just become tight and... and, uh, we talk about the fight-flight reactions that come out of, you know, anxiety, which are more, you know, um, more uh, sympathetic nervous system sort of reactions. But as parasympathetic nervous reactions to freeze, and we forget about that. And when we freeze, we just become rigid, you know, like a rabbit in the headlights. And a lot of people, particularly men, um, I find, sometimes don't think that they're anxious because they're associating with this kind of agitated experience. And in fact, they're rigid and they're shut down. And, um, and it's an experience of um, dulling out emotional experience as a way of coping with it. But it's more subtle. But there, there are many, many, many different forms that anxiety takes. And, um, and so that's one of the drivers that can bring us to practice, you know, because we, we don't want to continue to be anxious. And 
the whole point of this talk, just in a few words, but I'll elaborate on it, the whole process of dealing with dukkha is to accept it. Accept, 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 deep acceptance, radical acceptance. This is the way I am. I have anxiety. Just be the anxiety, be the low mood, be the irritability. Name it, you know, acknowledge that it's there. Because particularly with anxiety, um, I notice when people come to see me professionally about it, when they're highly anxious, often there's a pressure on me to take it away. Just tell me something to make it go away. Just let it make it go away. You know, and I sort of half jokingly say to people, I can't, I can't make it go away. Suddenly, you know, it's a slow process of transformation. But if you want it to go away quickly, take drugs. That'll make it go away quickly. Um, So that's the nature of anxiety. We don't want it there. We want it to go away. Um, but the more we try and run away from it, often the worse that it actually gets. And um, so it's always the first base to just be it, just be the experience and to see that it's just a, a pattern of energy. And as I talk with various people in our group about their experiences, some people tell me um, that they're they're far less anxious than what they were five years ago or ten years ago through doing this practice. And some people tell me that they're still anxious, but I know there's a, there's a different relationship they have to their anxiety in the way they talk about it and the way they, they tell me. And, um, and it's kind of they, they can be light-hearted about it. So instead of something that just kind of drags them down and they're opposing, it's kind of like they, they just know that's a part of themselves and, and they accept it. So there's a kind of a, a light-heartedness with that. And both are a kind of transformation in, them, in themselves. Um, and in, in my own experience, um, I wouldn't have thought I was particularly anxious when I first started off, but compared to how I am now, it is different. And as I said, anxiety can take many different forms. For me, it was a kind of a social anxiety that I didn't even really quite recognise or could name. But looking back on it, I can see quite clearly that's what it was. So for some people, it just diminishes, um, and that's fine. And some people, it still stays there, but there is still a transformation that takes place. And it's a transformation that takes place because you realise that's not what you want. You're not your personality. There may be a habit energy that's you, right? That is that is your temperament. Um, but it's you, and it's not you. Mm-hmm. Now, segueing from that into Buddhist psychology, in Buddhist psychology, there's a, a personality typing. Um, as a way of trying to identify what our particular pattern of energy is. And um, it's referred to as a a grasping type, an aversion type and a confused type. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a description of each of those from um, Jack Cornfield's book, The Wise Heart, because they're they're very, very good, concise descriptions. And see whether you whether you, you fit one or the other, or is it mixed both? Whatever. But the grasping temperament, 
This is the grasping temperament before transformation. The grasping or greed temperament is constructed around desire. It is experienced as a sense of seeking or wanting more and of addiction. It grasps grasps after comfort and avoids disharmony in all situations. It desires fulfilment through pleasures, through finding what it likes in the world of the senses. From liking, it can move quickly to craving, passion and sensuality. Out of the roots of grasping, there arise associated states of vanity, willfulness, pride, self-centeredness, jealousy, avarice, deceit and addiction. The grasping temperament is associated with an even balance of the elements of earth, air, fire and water. Each temperament also has a distinctive physical style. The traditional teachings declare that those with a grasping temperament walk graciously with an elegant and springy step. Their stance is confident and composed. They like to sleep comfortably, wake up slowly, stretch and relax and take food unhurriedly, choosing rich, sweet food to savour. In modern life, the person with such a temperament drives a car with a relaxed, easy attention and moves gracefully in traffic. When individuals with a grasping temperament enter a room, they see whatever is pleasing and linger upon it. They leave most pleasant circumstances slowly and with regret. When meeting new people, they seize upon trivial virtues and discount genuine faults. And in conversation, they avoid conflict and seek harmony, even by dishonesty. So that's the grasping one. Then it's opposite, polar opposite. The aversive temperament before transformation. The aversive temperament is constructed around judgment and rejection of experience. It has a disaffected quality that easily sees faults. And for this temperament, problems are apparent everywhere. It is critical, quickly displeased, quarrelsome and disparaging of many things. Its quality of aversion can give rise to states of anger, vindictiveness, haughtiness, hatred, cruelty, aggression and the struggle to control. There is a tight-fisted and rigid quality to this temperament. It is associated with the elements of fire and wind. Traditionally, the aversive temperament is associated with one who walks quickly with hard steps. The stance is rigid. Such characters move stiffly and unevenly with tension and tightness. The aversive temperament is described as one who lies down hastily, sleeps with a scowl, wakes up quickly as if annoyed and takes food sometimes sour and rough, eating it hurriedly without savouring it. Yet they are displeased and aggrieved when their food is not right. Today, the person with such a temperament would drive hurriedly, gripping the wheel tightly and moving traffic jerkily, easily annoyed by other drivers. When people with an aversive temperament enter a room, they notice what is wrong, focusing on the difficulties, seizing upon any slightly unpleasant object, picking out trivial faults 
and discounting real virtues. Or they pay scanty attention, avoid real connection as if tied or bored, and leave quickly as if anxious to go. There's a, there's, a some, there's a resonance with attachment styles here. There's an anxious attachment style, which is like the grasping style, and then there's an avoidant attachment style, which is exactly like the description of the, um, the aversion person. And then there's the deluded temperament before, before transformation, the deluded temperament, or the confused temperament. The deluded or confused temperament is constructed around uncertainty and confusion. People with this temperament experience not quite knowing what to do or how to relate to the world. They seek to establish ease by ignoring what is happening or through dullness or inaction. The deluded temperament gives rise to perplexity and worry, doubt, negligence, scattered thoughts, anxiety and agitation. The deluded type can also seem easily intoxicated. It is associated with the heaviness of earth and the movement of water. Traditionally, deluded characters are those whose stance is muddled, who walk hesitantly with a perplexed gait, who shuffle along and who act in an indecisive and uneven manner. They are described as those who sleep with limbs sprawling or face down and wake up with a, huh? They take food casually, not knowing what they want and eat messily, dropping bits with mind astray. In modern life, they are inattentive drivers drifting over the road, mixed up and meandering in traffic. When people with a deluded nature enter a room, they feel confused, not knowing what to do or how they should act. They are not related to their own body and do not know themselves. In conversation, they copy what others are doing. If everyone is praising, they praise, while if everyone is critical, they join in. In general, they are inconsistent and a bit lost. Mm -hmm. So maybe we identify a bit more with one rather than another, or maybe we identify with all three. I don't know. <laughs> uh -huh. But I think there is a tendency, there's, I think there's, there's many different forms of personality typing around Myers-Briggs and many, 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 and they, they're, they're all just ways of dicing and slicing up human experience to try and understand it. And so this is just one of them, but it kind of resonates in a way too. I, I d identify with the aversion type. Mm -hmm. um, some people might, might identify with the others. But if you, if you can see, what it's describing is a pattern of energy, simply. A pattern of energy is a habit. Right? So it's, just, it's got an automatic kind of quality to it. We just automatically behave like that in the world. And it's very important, whatever description is there, you know, whatever experience of dukkha that we have, we just simply acknowledge it non-judgmentally that that's the way we are. Right? It's just the way the cards were dealt. Whether it was genetic, upbringing, who knows? It's kind of like non-judgmentally, that's just the way I am. And and if you can if you can embrace that, it's like you're a third of the way there. You know? it, it's it's not so hard after that. But while we fight it, 
This must mean we never get any kind of traction at all. And while these all seem like negative statements of um, descriptions of personalities, the whole point here is that um, through Dharma practice is that we can transform these patterns of energy. And, and the word is clearly transform, not change. There's a difference in the two. Remember in the Heart Sutra, in the English translation of the Heart Sutra, we talk about transforming suffering. When we see into emptiness, we transform suffering. Um, it's not like changing ourselves from one character into another. So many people can be involved in Dharma practice, coming along thinking they're going to have some big experience that's going to make them into a different person. It's not going to happen that way. Your, your path is always going to be through this process of meditation and everything that goes with it, is a process of being more authentically who you are. That is, that is always going to be the way in which it works. And um, trying to change yourself into something that you're not is a kind of um, Barry Magic, one of our Zen teachers in our school would refer to it as a kind of a, a magical thinking, you know, um, so a sort of a curative fantasy that we have. It doesn't, doesn't work like that at all. And sometimes in, in some groups you see people copying the behaviour of the guru or, or the teacher, you know, pick up their mannerisms. And it's a clear indication they're not being themselves. If I can, if I can copy that person's mannerisms or way of speaking or whatever, or way of walking, you know, like the things that they like, then I'll be like them. And that's another trap. You don't, you, you don't, you don't transform by just copying someone else's behaviour. You, know, you find your true self. So all of these three types of personality types, if someone is driven mainly by a dominant energy of grasping after things and wanting nice things, when the transformation happens, they, they end up being people who are very generous right? because not only do they want nice things for themselves, they want nice things for other people. Like they would like to they would like to have a you know, lovely temple, for instance, or a, lo a lovely home for everyone to enjoy and they would go out of their way so other people can have that as well. So it's not like the basic energy goes away, but it transforms into something which is much more compassionate and wise. And people with it are an, an aversive type of temperament, um, you know, looking at the fault in everything and so on, end up cultivating what you would call discernment or wisdom. You know, being able to discern between what is what is false, what is true, what is useful, what is not. And they're the kind of people, you know, who'll go into a group where everyone's just superly, superficially agreeing with one another and go, no, that's not right, we need to look at this. They speak with honesty and so on and speak up and they get deeper kind of harmony, you know, and, and deeper kind of connection by, by challenging surface harmony. So there's a, there's a value in that. So brings wisdom with it. 
And people with a confused um, type of um, character, see, the three go together well because you either know what you, you want and you go after it, or you, you know what you don't like and you avoid it, <laughs> or you just don't know. <laughs> and then you're confused. Right? Um, and, and people who are confused, um, what they bring to a sangha, you know, is, is a, a kind of uh, vulnerability. Right? And they're the kind of person who, who brings that, that lovely sense of a beginner's mind, you know, of not knowing, you know, and as we, um, their, their confusion transforms into not knowing, into, into a kind of um, innocence, in a way, which is a very endearing quality. So when you, if you, any, any group of people or any, any sangha of people practising the Dharma, there'll be a mix of all of those personalities coming in. And um, it's, it's important to kind of recognise the different, different contributions that people make that may be very different to other people, but they all have their, their value in the mix. So one of the things to reflect on in this is about not being judgmental about the personality characteristics that you have, the habit energy that happens to be you, right? to recognise its automatic type of quality and to take that a step further is not to be judgmental of other people's style, particularly when it's different to you. Uh, particularly the grasping, the, 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 the aversion people wouldn't like the grasping people very much. <laughs> and the grasping people probably think the aversion people are a bit you know, unenlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about just respecting those different styles. What, whatever, some of the value that comes out of looking at any kind of um, um, personality categorizations is that you realise that there are people who think so differently and feel so differently to yourself, you know, and we just sort of assume that everyone's like me, but they're not. They have very different ways of thinking, very different ways of feeling, and they all have their own value. So whatever system we use, it can lead to um, a deeper acceptance of oneself and others, and then how we work with it. Um, just to briefly touch on the, um, the other aspect of transformation in this is that um, to talk about our personality or our patterns of energy is to talk about form. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we all know, form is emptiness. Right? And that will be the subject matter more of tomorrow's talk. But the more we, we sit here just in the, the momentariness of everyday life, people tell me in their own various different ways using different language that there's a lack of solidity to our experience. We think it's all solid and pinned down. You know? And as we sit here, we go, mm, can't pin anything down. You know? It's all, all just momentariness that just sort of comes and goes like clouds breaking up in the sky. You're not solid at all. And the more we touch base with that empty, momentary 
nature of existence, um, then being fixated on personality is not so important. It's still there, uh, but when that's not all we are. And that's the recognition of, of no self. That will be the subject of tomorrow's talk.